And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet Earth, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley. Unfortunately, he's out sick today. Yeah, he sent me a text. I got it when I woke up. He said, can't do it. Just uh, uh, respiratory problems and uh, don't know if he went to the hospital or not. Uh, but uh, he apparently wasn't doing, uh, wasn't, well, wasn't doing well enough to come in and do the show. Uh, I mean, I believe he's all right. He just can't do the show. So hopefully he's back uh, tomorrow. And uh, as I said earlier, I was just knowing how sick he was. Because uh, two weeks ago, right before we went on vacation, the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we were both really sick, and we did the show. And uh, then came Thursday, and uh, I was getting better but couldn't sleep. I just could not. I No matter what, I, I could not get to sleep. And I hadn't slept in 30 hours. I actually drove into work. And I went, I've just got to go to work because Eric's going to be in there, and I know that, you know, he he can't do it alone. and. And uh, I can't do it alone. And he came in and he was, hey, was just, he was a zombie. And I just said, well, neither of us, we can't, you can't do it even with me and I can't do it alone. And we went home. That's never happened in 18 years that we worked together. We were actually in the studio. Show was ready to go about 20 minutes away. It's like, we can't do it. And then we were on vacation. And it wasn't an excuse just to take the day off before a week's vacation. <laughs> because if that was the case, we wouldn't have come into work. <laughs> but then by Monday, he had texted me and said, uh, both he and his wife tested positive for COVID, and he just said, I'm just still deathly sick. And at that moment when he told me that, that was Monday, that was a, a week ago Monday. And I thought to myself, I said, he may not be ready to come in on Sunday night. So he came in on Sunday night. He goes, yeah, I'm still weak and everything, but I'm ready to go. And then the last two nights, he has just been, you know, just I was I was looking at him thinking, 
all right, you know when you're really sick, and he had even mentioned this, but in a different context. When you really get sick and you think, oh, man, I'm never going to recuperate from this. This is just so bad. And when you do, you know, even even though you may be a little bit weak, you're just on this adrenaline rush. He was just so incredibly up and animated the last couple of days that I was sitting over there because I'm sitting in a different seat since I'm in the studio alone. But I'm sitting over there looking at him in awe going, wow, he's just cooking. And so it was sad to get that text tonight, but hopefully he'll be all right and can, can come in really soon. Uh, World Series is set. Texas Rangers against Arizona. The Diamondbacks. Uh, my concern I don't live far away from the stadium, and uh, they said a a lot of places will be jam-packed and a lot of people on the roads. Stay out of my way (laughs) this weekend. I think it starts in, yeah, it starts in Texas this Friday. So, uh, will be interesting. I didn't even see the final score last night. Uh, I know it was close. I think I saw the middle of the fifth or something. It was 2-2, but Arizona, uh, you know, Pulled it out. So there you go. Uh, Going to do in this last hour what we started the show out with, but from a different perspective. And this is because when you hear this, you realize how bad identity politics has gotten in this country, what it leads to, what that type of bigotry and racism leads to. We've talked about identity politics for years. Identity politics is owned by the Democratic Party. There are different levels of identity politics. What you've gotten to now is because I don't believe that, and the polls show it, the majority of Democrats are not anti-Semitic. They practice identity politics in a whole bunch of other ways, abiding by critical race theory, the concept of uh, intersectionality that we've talked about before, which we'll bring up here again, in the in the um, uh, the radical transgender movement, the demonization of conservative blacks, critical race theory, all whites are culturally culturally racist and can't get rid of it. And even if you don't think you are, you are a racist. Therefore, society must be set up that way that you are a permanent oppressor. All based on bigoted falsehoods, DEI that you see. At all, almost all major companies today, bigoted, stereotype, wrong stereotypes. Well, stereotypes are wrong because you can, you can never, you can stereotype a group, but all don't fit into that stereotype. Then the poll came out last week. We were on vacation. <clears throat> and a lot of analysis on that poll here the last couple of days. Uh, I read you uh, what uh, a Facebook friend and a friend of the show who was not a media person wrote uh, wrote about it earlier when we started the show. And then I read part of the National Review column from Noah Rothman, who quoted a liberal in the Atlantic about what in the world's going on here with the left. Why do they think this way? What's going on? Because the numbers are disturbing in a particular demographic, which is young people. Uh, I decided to read a couple of paragraphs here from Newsweek. Uh, written by uh, Brad Palumbo, co-founder of Based Politics in Newsweek. 
an insane number of Gen Zers support Hamas's slaughter of innocent Israelis. This comes from the Harvard Harris poll. Not, you know, you might think, well, okay, that's a conservative poll trying to demonize, you know, people on the left in some way. It isn't. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. This is about what young Americans think. Overall, Americans overwhelmingly support Israel over Hamas. A whopping 84% of respondents told pollsters they favored Israel, while just 16% favored Hamas. We're not talking using the term Palestinians, Hamas. Among older Americans, over 60 Americans over 65 years of age, an astounding 95% supported Israel, and just 5% said their sympathies lie with Hamas. But among young people, 18 to 24, things looked quite differently. Just 52% of this group said they supported Israel, while 48% said they supported Hamas. Yes, that's right. Nearly half of young respondents said they side with the terrorist group that just earlier this month, these are Americans that just earlier this month targeted and slaughtered innocent civilian, including women, children, and babies in a chilling and statistic manner. You would hope for the sake of the future of our country that these young people are somehow supporting Hamas despite the group's violent actions. But you'd be wrong. In an even more shocking finding, the Harvard-Harris poll revealed that 51% of 18 to 24-year-olds said Hamas's violence against Israeli civilians 
is justified. While 49% don't think so. And here's where things get strange. In the same poll, 62% of young respondents agree that what Hamas did to Israel was genocidal. So a hefty chunk of young people, young Americans in this country, believe that genocide against Israeli civilians is justified. What the hell? Is what Mr. Palumbo writes. It should go without saying, but apparently it doesn't. That no matter how much one sympathizes with the plight of the Palestinian people, it is still wrong to slaughter concert goers and burn their bodies. It is still wrong to kill entire families huddled in their bomb shelters. And it is still wrong to murder babies. All human life is precious. While civilians inevitably are inadvertently killed as a consequence of war, targeting them on purpose is universally considered a war crime. It's never morally acceptable to intentionally kill innocent people, no matter who does it. The fact that so many young Americans' moral compass are so distorted that they no longer understand this basic moral truth is deeply disturbing. It also raises an important question, how the hell did we get here? This is not normal. Such a moral perversion is not an organic belief that naturally emerges among decent people. On the contrary, it's in large part, a consequence of a corrosive social justice ideology that's being spoon-fed to young Americans on college campuses. In this depraved worldview, which Elon Musk has dubbed the woke mind virus, the world is divided into two groups of people, oppressors and victims. Starting to ring a bell here. Black people, for example, are oppressed in America, so under this lens, black people cannot be racist. They can only be victims of racism. While misgendering someone is violence, even though it doesn't actually involve any violence, actual violence in response to this speech is justified as self-defense. Truth and therefore morality is subjective in this worldview, hence the normalization of the innocuous-sounding but actually Orwellian phrase, my truth, your truth, and his truth. This obsessed perspective does not actually describe reality. In the real world, there are shades of gray. People can both be oppressed in some ways and oppressing others. Just ask gay people how they're faring in Gaza. The truth is that almost no one in human history has been 100% good or 100% bad, 100% victim, or 100% villain. The social justice narrative in its black and white worldview is actually the inverse of the old regressive worldview it supposedly rose up to eradicate. 
it is erroneous to draw absolute distinctions between groups of people based on their membership in immutable categories. Yet rather than reject both extremes, some subscribers to modern social justice ideology have become the mirror image of what they hate. And that's how you end up in the perverse situation where so many of your adherents can view the the genocide of Jews as justified. In their telling, Jews are privileged, Palestinians are oppressed. For some entrapped by this hollow thinking, their analysis stops right there. Just look at Black Lives Matter that responded to October 7th attacks by showing solidarity with the Palestinians, not Israel, and even uh, positively, positively depicting the hang gliders that were used by Hamas terrorists to kill civilians. All politics aside, such a bizarre and tone-deaf statement only emerges from an organization that has substituted the woke mind virus for rational thinking. Young people have absorbed this kind of perverse messaging from the cultural and institutional forces they look to. They're told the slaughter of civilians is actually freedom fighting by a resistance seeking to cast the shackles of its oppressors. And who are young, white, affluent Americans who've been told for years how privileged they are and how incapable that renders them to perceive the world to question the truth of oppressed people. That's how we end up with half of young people nodding along to genocide. It's a radical result of years of miseducation in an ideology that's as morally bankrupt as the old bigotry it rose up to replace. Spot on. And even liberals know this. On October 13th, The Atlantic published a fascinating reflection by Helen Lewis, who's a liberal, on the callous indifference her compatriots on the American left have shown toward the wanton murder of Jews for being Jews. What's the reason? Intersectional framework. (laughs) Theoretical intersectional framework asks its adherents to conceive of their fellow citizens not as unique individuals, but as stereotypical cutouts representing their respective democratic traits. Demographic, not democratic, demographics, traits. Identity politics, it's exactly what we said. We talked about the poison of identity politics that is completely embraced by the Democratic Party. Not maybe to the, major- to the majority of Democrats, to Jews. But how do you think young people get there? They get there because of all the other identity politics. Then the next step at the insane higher education colleges in this country, it's just one step to hmm, Jews are all the same. And they're privileged, and the others are oppressors. Therefore, genocide is justifiable. 866-90-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howes Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. Dramatic precipitation. 
falling temperatures, wintry conditions. What is expected of a storm system now over the Pacific Northwest and Northern Plains? As USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey explains. As we get to the midweek period and beyond, we will be facing an extended snowstorm that is going to be most significant starting in the Cascades in the Pacific Northwest and then extending across the Rockies to the Northern Plains and eventually reaching into North Dakota and beyond. Rippey adds what he calls an impressive stripe of snow for this early in the season is expected. And we could see some one foot plus snowfall totals in some of the highest accumulation areas that would include the higher mountains of the northwest and possibly even a stripe across montana and north dakota could see upwards of a foot of snow that will come with high winds and falling temperatures which could create some very difficult conditions for livestock that are not yet acclimated to the cold weather i'm rod bain reporting for the u.s department of agriculture in washington dc this report brought to you by cenex fuels and loops coming up more with gary mcnamara and eric harley it's red eye radio In Trent Radio, he is Eric Hurley. Uh, he is under the weather. Uh, come on, Eric, get well. Get back here. There's too much to cover. I don't like doing it myself. There's too much to cover. I, <laughs> I need to laugh more. <laughs> hey, if we're doomed, we might as well laugh, right? Uh, coming up, uh, uh, some of your calls and comments. We'll hear from uh, Mike Johnson, uh, Representative Mike Johnson of uh, Louisiana, who is the uh, well, the next nominee up, I have a feeling he gets it today. I have a feeling. Well, some audio from him and his remarks, too, coming up. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And we're Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is under the weather. Hopefully he's back tomorrow. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Well, Mike uh, Johnson has been nominated for House Speaker. Uh, it seems to be a completely different tone. Don't be surprised if he is the new Speaker of the House. Uh, here he is uh, last night after being nominated. Democracy is messy sometimes, but it is our system. This conference that you see, this House Republican majority, is united. I'm honored to have the support of my colleagues, and what they understand about this is this is servant leadership. We're going to serve the people of this country. We're going to restore their faith in this Congress, this institution of government. America is the last best hope of man on the earth. Abraham Lincoln said it. Ronald Reagan used to remind us all the time, and we're here to remind you of that again. We're going to restore your trust in what we do here. You're going to see a new 
form of government, and we are going to move this quickly. This group here is ready to govern, and we are going to govern well. We're going to do what's right by the people. And I believe the people are going to reward that next year. But we have a lot of big priorities ahead of us right now. The world is on fire. We stand with our ally, Israel. There you go. Uh, a conservative, and uh, I'll say this, with the tone that I want. And with the rhetoric that I believe is needed right now from the speaker. Uh, I think it was a representative from New York, a Republican representative, who said, why the different tone? Because you can hear there's a different tone. That was that nomination was almost a victory speech. That he's a new speaker. And said after three weeks. They said we. You eventually get sick of the. And and this was the Republican representative Lawler. I think it was. Who said uh, you just you get sick of the personality conflicts. And eventually you've got to come together. And so uh, I, I, uh, I've always, I've always liked him and I've, I think that he's extremely conservative and he has the proper tone and he knows, I believe he knows the message he's sending is that message he was sending was not to me. It might've been, it might've been to, uh, uh, people that vote Republican and Republicans, you know, to say, all right, we're united here, don't worry. But to me, it was also a message being sent to independents and people looking at what's going on in the insanity of the Democratic Party in this administration saying, okay, this looks stable. And I was saying that earlier, I'd seen the video of him and all these other uh, members of Congress taking selfies and smiling. And I went, no, 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 it's, it's not, it's not serious enough. That was serious. That's what I wanted to see. That's what's going to get the publicity out there today or, you know, this morning. Uh, but don't I won't I won't be surprised if the, he gets the vote votes for it, because did that not sound like he already has the votes? It sounded like the yeah. the voting is over and he's speaker. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, eight six six ninety Red Eye. Let's go to Clint in uh, Tennessee about the polling, especially of young people in the United States, and the fact that over half believe what Hamas did was the right thing. The genocide, Clint in Tennessee. Hi, hi, Clint. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that's uh, what I called about right now. I'm worried about the people at the gas station in Chattanooga at 539 in the morning that look like they want to rob you blind. Okay, thanks. (laughs) He was supposed to say his his comment was uh, (laughs) not. I don't know how young people can be thinking that way. Sorry, <laughs> we don't worry about gas prices. We're in Texas. <laughs> uh, I saw the other day it was like 270 
or it was two seventy seven, then it went up to two ninety five. So we went down, went oh boy, how low is it going to go? And then it went back up, uh, went back uh, up again. So uh, this story I wanted to bring up because this is uh, again the situation with Iran right now. Wall Street Journal had the editorial. Uh, Biden's red line moment with Iran. Blinken promises swift and decisive response, but will Biden back it up? And the point they make is that Blinken said yesterday the U.S. would respond swiftly and decisively to any attack on American forces from Iran or its proxies. That's a welcome message, because, but they make the point that they've already attacked our bases and we've done nothing. <laughs> Uh, and uh, points out that White House spokesperson John Kirby said Monday that Iran is, in some cases, actively facilitating these attacks on U.S. positions in Iraq and Syria. Mr. Kirby also acknowledged that Iran's goal is to maintain some level of deniability here, and we're not going to allow them to do that. A senior defense official noted this week that when you see an uptick in activity and attacks in the Middle East, Iranian fingerprints are are all over it. The obvious implication of Mr. Blinken's remarks is that if American forces are attacked, the U.S. will respond with military force. Multiple reports suggest that Iran's clients are planning more attacks on U.S. positions in the Middle East. The Pentagon has dispatched more air defenses and on Tuesday announced an F-16 deployment to complement other fighter aircraft in the region One carrier strike group is already operating in the area, and another is on the way. So when will the swift and decisive U.S. response arrive? Mr. Biden no doubt remembers Barack Obama's red line warning to Syria in 2012 over the use of chemical weapons that went unenforced. The fallout from that failure of deterrence and follow-through included Vladimir Putin's intervention to save the Assad regime, then his invasions of Crimea and eastern Ukraine. The Biden administration wants to deter a second front against Israel from Iran's proxies in Lebanon and Syria, but failing to respond to Iran's many attacks, even when there are so far no U.S. troop casualties, is an invitation to Iran to keep calling the U.S. bluff. And that's the point. We already know U.S. installations have been attacked. Soldiers have been injured. Blinken comes out and says, if you attack the United States, any installations will respond. Well, you haven't yet. That's the message that gets sent out. That's one of the the many problems with this administration. This could invite... The provocation the White House is trying so hard to avoid. One risk is that Iran or its proxies will eventually kill Americans in these attacks, which might require an even greater use of U.S. forces and would be damaging politically, or the U.S. might have to intervene to help Israel defeat Hezbollah. Iran is using its proxies to test U.S. resolve. The more they attack without Iran paying a price, the more likely that Iran will raise the stakes. The paradox Mr. Biden has to appreciate, the most stabilizing move for the region would be restoring America as a deterrent power. Never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden. 
F things up. I just love this headline. Joy Behar calls out Representative Tlaib for repeating falsehoods about the Gaza hospital blast. You know, the funny thing is, they always have to qualify it. Blast Rashida Tlaib. She's wrong. These are lies. She lies just like Trump. So it's always got to be that qualifier. It It would be a... It would be a worse lie, but since Trump lies, it's okay. Well, it's not as bad. I'll call you out. Don't lie like Trump. And finally, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy slams a local school district in New Jersey for canceling Halloween celebrations. Earlier in October, Dr. Ronald Taylor, superintendent of schools for the South Orange Maplewood School District, sent a letter to parents announcing that no Halloween celebrations would be held by the school board, claiming that doing so may violate the dignity of some of our students and families, either culturally or religiously. The cancellation of the holiday was bashed by the governor. Seriously, we can't let kids celebrate Halloween? Give me a break, Murphy wrote on a post on X. When asked for a response to Murphy's condemnation, the district defended the move by saying that a survey of principals showed support for the move and that it was a vital step for the school's equity values. Hmm. Uh, exactly what Phil Murphy also supports, the whole equity, DEI, and woke movements. You can tell Democrats are feeling the pressure. They're feeling it now. They're realizing we went too far. You know, you look at Bowser yesterday, and we, at Mayor Bowser in uh, in D.C., and, and we went through all the, the, the I don't have the, the paper in front of me here, so I can't go through it specifically like we did yesterday, but it just popped into my head how she backed off on everything. This new piece of legislation just reverses all the defund the police. So much of the uh, the uh, the uh, per- permissiveness of of retail theft, of shoplifting, of loitering, of drug use, and everything else. Everything is being reversed. Well, that's because the abstract hit reality. And, you know, we're seeing it, I mean, all around. I mean, we're seeing what's going on at the border. We're seeing what's going on with inflation. We're seeing now what's going on with young people in that poll. And they didn't break, I don't think they broke it down. They broke it down to the higher, the higher, the the more education you have, the higher you go up in education, the more anti-Semitic you are. What I want to see is, I don't think, I didn't see where they broke it down politically. I want to see how many of those 18 to 24-year-olds or 18 to 34-year-olds that are Democrats, what percentage of young Democrats, because that's the, they're the ones that have bought into the identity politics. And we all know it. We all know what caused it. And we warned years ago what identity politics would lead to. Look, one of the first things we said 
You know, it's with the whole, you know, it, <laughs> um, what do they call it? Not functional, the intersectionality, whatever. Um, you know, the victim and oppressor and everything else, which also was a part of the radical transgender movement, which is all part of it. And we said, look, at when if you can convince college students that a man can be a woman and a man should be able to compete athletically with a woman, and it's okay then to intimidate and threaten the women if they don't agree to it, if you can get college students to agree with that, what else, what can't you convince them of? And that's exactly where we are today. It's just surprising when you see any American cheer or say to a pollster, yeah, yeah, it's it's justifiable. Beheading babies, murdering babies, killing, targeting civilians, burning people alive. Yeah, that's justifiable, yeah. And that purely comes from liberalism, liberalism, Marxism in the United States. Purely comes. They own identity politics that leads to that. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Hopefully Eric's back tomorrow. Get well soon, Eric. Just reading this from uh, uh, Fox about uh, uh, Mike Johnson as the, uh, well, as the nominee for House Speaker. But House GOP lawmakers insisted their conference is finally on the same page and ready to unite under Johnson's leadership. Teen up a House vote Wednesday just afternoon, uh, said Representative Tim Burchette of Tennessee. My wife and I were talking and I said, if we can get somebody like a Mike Johnson, we would be very fortunate, he told reporters after the vote. I think it would be an excellent choice because he's very cerebral and he's kind of a goober. And I dig that about him. He's cleaner than a hound's tooth. Not sure what that all means, but it sounds positive. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.